Well, good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Every day that we are able to come together and worship God in spirit and in truth should be an amazing, an amazing day because God is worthy of all our praise. To our members, uh, I want to say this. Thank you for being a part of our church uh, I want to uh, just commend you for all the great work that you have been doing. Uh, we've had a lot of new members, uh, as uh, Aaron had stated in announcements, and we've got a lot of uh, members that have played a vital part in connecting those families here. So I want to say kudos to you and thank you for all your work, for your volunteering, for your service. It's uh, greatly, greatly appreciated. God is doing some amazing things at the Mission Viejo Church of Christ in so much that while we were at the Pepperdine Bible Lectures uh, this uh, week, we got a good shout out uh, uh, about our church from the pulpit in front of about 3,000 people. So I thought that was pretty special. Very, very special. To our uh, guests or visitors, I don't know why you're here this morning. I don't know if you're just passing through or if you're looking for a church home. Uh, I think you've come to the right place, and we're going to ask you to do us a favor. If you will, take out that visitor's card in the back of your pew, fill that out, make sure you pass it to me or pass it to one of our shepherds, or there's a box in the foyer that you stick that card in, and, and we want to make sure that you feel connected and you call this place uh, your home, because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. Amen? All right. <laughs> um, we've got a very special uh, service ahead of us today, immediately after... Uh, our sermon, as, as mentioned, we're going to have a fellowship luncheon, and this would be the week that we have many of our new families out of town. <laughs> I got a couple of phone calls, and many of them are on the road heading back east. People are in different places, uh, and some of our members are out of town, but we're going we're gonna to celebrate this anyway. So if you are a newer member and you've placed membership at our church within the past year, we want to celebrate you. We want to make sure that we get to know you better and that we love on you and welcome you here. And we want to make sure that you spread the word uh, to your friends in your community about how special this place is. So again, immediately after service today, we're going to head back there and we're going to do the thing that we know how to do well at this church, eat. Amen. So we're going to do that. Uh, I've got to mention the Pepperdine Bible Lectures uh, for just a moment. First of all, I think we had about 20 maybe a few more than that, uh, of our church up at uh, the P Pepperdine Bible Lectures this year, which is up in just the most terrible place on earth, Malibu, right? So we were there, uh, and we had a week-long lectureship. And if you don't know anything about the Pepperdine Bible Lectures, basically what it is is it's a, uh, 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 basically a, a Bible study, sermon series, worship and praise gathering of about three to 4,000 members of our fellowship up uh, at Pepperdine. So uh, the, the, the stage is packed. Uh, there's a lot of good teaching, a lot of good worship. Uh, and if you hadn't been a part of that, you got to make sure you come out to the Pepperdine Bible Lectureships uh, next year. But if you've ever been up to Malibu and you've been to Pepperdine, you know that it's a very beautiful and interesting campus, right? If you've been to Malibu, you know the campus is one big hill. That's what it is. Uh, so it's often very difficult and problematic to navigate the campus. Um, there's no flat ground anywhere, I don't believe. Uh, and wherever you go on campus, you kind of have to walk and walk up flights of stairs. And on top of that, it was 90 plus degrees in Malibu this weekend. 
so it was, it was pretty tough uh, navigating there and getting around. It was hot. And if you ever go up to the Bible lectures, um, you know, sometimes it's hard to sleep because of all the amazing fellowship and things that you've heard. Now you're saying, I'll never go up there. But come anyway, right? <laughs> because it's, <laughs> it is an amazing time. Uh, but that uh, week, uh, Mary and I, we, we've got to hear a lot of great lectures. Um, but what's problematic about sitting in a lecture and hearing someone preach for about an hour after you're uh, walking and hot and tired is that sometimes you get a little, a little sleepy. Amen? So I decided to go to a friend's lecture, and he was giving a wonderful talk. And I sat in the front row because I wanted to be really next to him and connected and saying amen when he spoke. But I found that as he was speaking, I was getting a little tired. And I think I had an outer body experience. Have you ever felt yourself falling asleep and you knew that you couldn't do anything about it? So I was watching myself dozing off on the front row of this guy's lecture, and I was helpless. I couldn't do anything about it. And I felt so terrible. I was telling myself, Jason, wake up, snap out of it. But it, it, it didn't work. And my friend was giving this lecture, and as my eyes were closed, and I was pre pretending I was taking notes on my phone, you know, you have to do that, uh, he asked me a question. Jason, what do you think Jesus meant by that? And I woke up and I said, amen, brother. <laughs> and he said, Jason, that was a great answer. <laughs> Amen is my response to when I'm not paying it. Well, anyway, I'll be quiet about that. <laughs> Amen. Uh, sometimes it's hard to be focused uh, during times of worship or prayer or fellowship. Sometimes it's really hard and really problematic because we deal with our flesh. Our flesh is weak. Our flesh gets tired. Our flesh deals with worry and stress and bills and kids. And when we are in the midst of worship sometimes or, or in the midst of partaking of the Lord's word, sometimes those fleshly impulses arise and we feel disconnected when we are supposed to be connected. Have you ever been there this morning? Nobody. Amen, Walls. If you've never been there this morning, I think all of us have. Uh, sometimes we're disconnected and it's hard to focus in and praise and worship God in the hour that he gives us. The sermon title this morning is, Give Me One Hour When Worship Becomes Routine. Now, many of us have grown up in church context, and many of us have grown up in the church of Christ, and we know the flow down of worship very well, don't we? I mean, we got it down. We know we first come in and we have a couple of songs and, and, and we take the communion and then the sermon is going to come. And then after the sermon, we, can t we know the routine very well, right? And because we know the routine so well, uh, sometimes we begin to get a little stagnant with it and we are disconnected because it's just what we do and we know what's going to happen next. Have you ever seen a movie uh, before in which you knew what was going to happen next and how you weren't really surprised when you saw that and it didn't really move you? Sometimes that happens to us when we're in the midst of worship. So today I want to spend some time 
trying to figure out some ways to help us with this, this problem oftentimes when it comes to our hour of worship. Mike, go to this first slide. I want to look at a passage of Scripture found in Matthew chapter 26 uh, that really addresses uh, this problem that we see uh, with the disciples. So if we're looking at the Scripture together, Matthew chapter 26 in verse number 38, the Bible says this, Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. A very simple command to his disciples, Peter, James, and John. Stay here and watch with me. Going a little further, the Bible says he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. Jesus was in a tough situation because he knew he was going to be betrayed and his life was going to meet a very, very terrible end. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. He said, could you, not, could you men not keep watch with me for, for, one, for one hour? Could you men not keep watch with me for just one simple hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Could you not watch? Could you not join me in prayer? Could you not worship without any distractions or handicaps in the flesh? Could you just do it for one, one hour? Oftentimes that's difficult for us to do because the scripture says the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. So if we look at this text we see some things that I kind of want to exegete this morning to to help us kind of better figure out how to do this because we've all been in services before where we were just simply disconnected. Maybe you had the monotone preacher that never got excited about anything. Um, you don't have that preacher here, so don't fall asleep. Yeah, maybe you had that song leader that just didn't pitch the song right and it didn't really move you. Or maybe you were going, something, going through something while you were partaking of the communion and, and you were just trying to get through it. Can we not watch and pray and worship for just one hour? Well, let's talk about how we can do that. Well, we know in this text that Jesus was in Gethsemane, preparing to be betrayed by Judas, right? And what better way to deal with this fear and anxiety that Jesus had than to pray and to worship God. And that's what we find Jesus doing. So the first principle that I want you to remember is that when it comes to worship, when we're dealing with fear and we're dealing with anxiety and we're dealing with worry, the place that we ought to be is in the midst of worshiping God because it does something to fix up those ailments or those problems that we have in the flesh. Worship is so special. Have you ever been there before? Something was going on in your life and you, you came to the church house and, and all of a sudden for that moment those problems, they disappeared and they went away because you were in the midst of worshiping the most high God shouting hallelujah. The Bible says that he took Peter, James, and John with him and told them to keep watch because his life was going to drastically change but they fell asleep during a time that they were supposed to be watching 
and praying. Now, theologically, I could say that many of us, we fall asleep spiritually in times of worship when we're supposed to be watching and praying. And that's what we do during worship. We watch and pray. We watch for the presence of God. We pray to receive help from the Holy Spirit, and we ask the Lord to help us not to fall into temptation, but they couldn't keep their focus for one hour out of, the, out of that day. And the question I have for us this morning is, are we disconnected during the time we're supposed to be worshiping God? I've been there. And you notice this, that our worship is usually just an hour long. Now, I'm not trying to step on any toes this morning or preach to you. I'm just reflecting upon my experiences. Because sometimes it could be so hard in this place to give God the hour of praise and undivided attention that he so richly deserves. Amen? And in this time of worship, God commands us to praise. Turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 29 and verse number 6. Go to that next slide, Mike. I want to tell you something about praise. I love that song that Skeeter led us in, and it's so fitting that we're talking about worship this morning, and he chose to lead that song. Shout hallelujah, give God the glory, give God the praise. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse number 6 says this, An evil man is snared by his own sin, but a righteous one can sing and be glad. Aren't we happy that we don't have to worry about sin and death because we have been saved by the blood of the Lamb? That should give us something praiseworthy to think about. That means when we come to church, we ought to be excited and on fire for the Lord for what He has done and is doing in our lives. But a lot of times I've been to some churches where there are dead men walking. I mean, there is no life, there is no energy, there is no joy. It's just going through the routine so that I can make it to uh, Chick-fil-A after service <laughs> to beat everybody else. Or it's not open on Sunday, right? Wherever. Choose a different place. <laughs> I'm focused on worship now. <laughs> Someone once asked me one time, Jason, what is worship for? And many of us that grew up in this fellowship, we would say the stereotypical Church of Christ Angel, well, worship is for God and to give him praise and glory. And I think that's the right answer. But there's something about worship when we give the Lord all we have, when we fall down on our faces before him, when we sing with all of our hearts, when we are in heavy contemplation during the communion, there's something about worship that works on the inside of us and lets us know that every little thing is going to be all right. <laughs> Am I right? And that's why worship is so special, and that's why I hope and pray that we will be connected during the time we are supposed to be worshiping. God tells us that everything's going to be okay during our times of worship. I heard some people come to church, uh, not here, but just in passing. They say, I went to church and I didn't get anything out of the sermon." I didn't get anything out of the worship experience that day. And I say, well, that's, that's a problem that you have that you probably need to think through and work, work on. Um, praise, shouting hallelujah, hallelujah lets you know that something amazing has just happened. Whenever I go to a Lakers game, I'm a Lakers fan. I know the Clippers won. Eh. I'm a Lakers fan. Whenever I go to the Lakers game, there's something about it. I'm just so excited to be there. Um, but there usually comes a time uh, where the game is kind of slow, and I decide to get up and go get a hot dog and something to drink, right? 
And whenever I go out of the stadium or out of the area, the seating area, to go get in line, guess what happens? The most amazing play of the entire day happens. And you know how I know I hear the cheers from the audience. <sighs> and I'm thinking to myself, man, I just missed it out on the most amazing play. I missed it, but I heard that through the cheers, I knew and I realized that something amazing happened. And that's the thing about praise. When we shout hallelujah to the Lord, when we give him praise and glory, we're letting the world know that something amazing has happened in our lives, right? We're letting everybody know. And usually when you hear cheers, people want to come and see what just happened, right? But if we're quiet and we say, God is good. God is great. I don't know about you. That's not very exciting to me. I want you to say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. He is an amazing God. And when people see that, they say, wow, what's going on in your life? Our hour is really, if I try to connect this theologically, our hour or our worship is an hour of shouting to God and to the world that something amazing is happening in our lives. I love shout hallelujah. I want to tell you a story of, of about people who praised and shouted, and I want to tell you about what happened in their situation and context. Mike, go to this next slide. I want to look at this picture together because I think it's a really neat picture. This is an artistic rendition of, of Jericho of Jericho. I want you to just sit with that and think about that for a moment. Do you remember what happened in this story? The walls of Jericho. Well, if you don't remember, let me tell you the story real quick. Uh, at the time, Joshua was leading the Israelites into the promised land. You guys remember the story now. It's getting familiar. Moses had been leading the children of Israel. A promise had been made to Abraham. Moses messed up. Uh, Joshua was now in charge. And in order to make it to the promised land, a, a land flowing with milk and honey and of safety and of blessings and of riches, he had to go to this area called Jericho. Jericho was, I don't know if it looked like that, but it was an amazing strong city surrounded by walls. And the Lord said to Joshua, you guys are going to take this city over, but here's how I want you to do it. Joshua, I want you to take your soldiers, and I want you to walk around these city walls for six days, once a day. And I want you to do that. But then on the seventh day, I want you to walk around the city seven times, and I want you to shout with a loud voice and to blow a trumpet, give praise and give glory. And guess what's going to happen to the walls of Jericho? They're going to fall down. You know, in order to make it to the promised land, the, 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 the promised land of blessings, of security, of happiness, of joy, sometimes we've got to get rid of these problems that we're facing, right? Right? And the way to get rid of the problems or the walls that we're facing that get in the way of allowing us to receive God's blessing in our lives is to shout praises to him. When you shout praises to the Lord, your problems seem to disappear, don't they? If you're going through anxiety and you come to church and you say, Lord, help me, that wall begins to fall. That problem begins to disappear. When you praise him with all your heart, when you're taking of the Lord's Supper, those problems seem to disappear and you're headed in the right direction, the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey and blessings 
from the Lord. Today, um, what I love about this text, too, is, is really neat. If you spend some time studying this, it said they had to walk around the wall on, on the seventh day. And we know that the seventh day was a very special day in the Jewish community, right? The, the, the Sabbath, a special day, a day set aside for the Lord. In our Christian tradition, we set aside Sunday as the day of worship, a day of praise, a day of thanksgiving. And on these Sundays, when we come together, we ought to be praising the Lord with all of our hearts and allowing the walls, the problems in our life, to come crumbling down. And that's why, Skeeter, thank you so much for that song this morning. Shout hallelujah to the Lord. Thank you, Lord for all that you do. Um, going off on a tangent, so just bear with me. Uh, I like commercials. I like watching commercials. You guys like commercials or is it just me? It might be annoying to you. I love watching commercials. One of my favorite commercials is the Shout commercial. You know what Shout is. It's like spray that helps you to get stains out of your clothes, right? I love uh, these Shout commercials because what you'll see is you'll see a kid in all white. I don't know, parents, why you would dress your kids in all white, but there's a kid dressed in all white, and he's outside, and he's playing in the grass. What do you think's going to happen, right? The kid is outside playing in the grass. He trips and falls. Oh, no, grass stain on his clothes. And the mom comes out with a spray bottle, and she says, I'm going to shout it out, right? <laughs> and then sprays that shout on that clothes, and what happens to the stains? They disappear. Another story in that shop commercial. The guy is going in for a job interview, and he has an ink pen in his pocket. The ink pen begins to bleed, and there's, there's ink all over his shirt, and then the commercial comes on. He says, I'm going to shout it out, right? Gets that spray bottle, sprays it on that stain, and that stain magically disappears. There's something about shouting to the Lord that causes our sins, our iniquities, our problems in life to disappear. We ought to shout to the Lord all the time. Amen? Shout to him in praises of thanksgiving. Shout to the Lord. Worship is special, not only is it because we're giving God the glory, because worship cleanses us from what we're going through in life. And that's why I can't figure out why people don't want to come to worship. It's the greatest place on earth. Disneyland is good too, but worship is amazing. The greatest place, I see, he's over there, greatest place on earth. You ought to be here. And God only wants an hour from us. He only wants an hour from us. Uh, almost done here. Uh, I want to talk about uh, the five acts of worship. Do you guys know what those are? If you're a good Church of Christ crowd, you know what the five acts of worship are, right? We talk about those coming up. I want to talk about the five acts of worship that we do in worship. One of the acts of worship that we do in worship is we sing, don't we? That's one act of worship. So when you come, you should be engaged in song. And if you don't know the song, just move your lips because it makes people feel good, amen? Just go along with it if you don't know it. We've got to sing to the Lord. Another act of worship that we do is we partake of the communion. Contemplate, uh, we, we think about what God is doing. We contemplate his goodness and his riches. Another act of worship that we do is we give. And that's why we pass the trays around. We make sure we give to the Lord's work. We pray and we listen to God's word. And we talk about those five acts of worship as being very, very important. And we've got to make sure we remember those. And we're in the right moment and in the right space in that hour of time that we have because the Lord is watching. And you know how I know he's watching? Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, and I want to look at 
verses 41 through 44. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. I love this section of Scripture. The widow's offering. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. So these people had come to offer really thanksgiving through giving. They came to offer worship through giving. And the Bible says that Jesus was there watching. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. And then I can just imagine Jesus here. Jesus calls his disciples and says, come here, come here. Look at this. I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. And here is what I want you to focus on. Put in everything, all she had to live on. And the question that I have for us this morning is when we come to worship, are we putting everything into it? And I can confidently answer that and say sometimes, sometimes I don't. But what we need to remember is that Jesus is watching. Where are we during our times of worship? Where are we during the communion time? Where, where are we? Because Jesus is watching. You know the passage of Scripture where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them. Jesus is here. What kind of worship are we offering up to him. One of my pet peeves um, is when people, <laughs> I'm just going to vent, don't, if you do this, I love you, don't worry about it, okay? Uh, I was at a small church in Arkansas, and we had this brother that used to sit on the front, or uh, first two pews, one of them, and whenever I would preach, he'd be clipping his fingernails, tink, 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 Oh, my goodness, it would just drive me crazy up the wall. I'm making a good theological point, and Jesus is good. Clink, clink, clink. I said, if he does that one more time, I'm going to lose it. But I, I, I remember one day he was clipping his fingernails, and I was getting really distracted. And then all of a sudden he said, ah. And I said, what happened to him? And I saw that a fingernail clipped off his finger and poked him in the eye during worship. I said, thank you, Lord. Shout hallelujah. <laughs> you know, we are so distracted during worship sometimes, aren't we? We text during service. We fall asleep, and the question is, we can't praise him for just one hour? Jesus says, give me one hour of uninterrupted time where you give me all that you are and everything that you have. And I think if you do that, church, your life will be blessed tremendously, and that's why I'm so thankful you're here this morning, and I know you're giving your all to the Lord. I want to look at this last slide, and then we'll be done. Go to this last picture. I love this picture. It's a picture of what we know to be the communion or the Lord's Supper. The communion or the Lord's Supper. Sometimes communion or the Lord's Supper can be a little difficult, a little problematic, because typically what we do is when we take the communion or the Lord's Supper, we have the entire congregation together in one place, and we are supposed to be reflective, spending time talking and thinking and praying and, and, and contemplating what Jesus did for us. 
typically during the Lord's Supper, something always happens, right? That throws us off our game just a little bit. Our baby cries. Our cell phone goes off. We're worried about this or worried about that. Maybe we're angry at someone. We're upset. But one of the greatest acts, one of the main reasons why we come together as a church is to partake of this communion, this Lord's Supper, to worship him through this act, to be praising God for all the wonderful things that he has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And you know what the Bible says? We all know this passage very well. If you're going to partake of the Lord's Supper, what do you need to do first? You need to examine yourselves, right? Examine yourselves. And I just want to give this to you for what it's worth. When you come to worship, make sure you examine yourself to see where you are, to see what you're struggling with, to see what you're going through, examine yourself. Because if you don't examine yourself and you're, you're just going through the motion, the Bible says you're, you're, you're giving yourself damnation and you're guilty of the body and blood of the Lord when you don't take worship seriously as it should be taken. And that's a very scary thought to think about. So I hate to leave you on a dark note. <laughs> but we've got to be examining ourselves giving it all when we come to worship, praising him on the high because he is worthy. And I think if you do that, not only will God be pleased, but the barriers, the walls in your life, the struggles in your life will fall down and you'll be receiving all that God has planned and stored up for your life because he's rich of blessings and mercy. So this morning, if you're here and worship has been a distraction for you, not only in the church uh, gathering on one hour when we come together, but outside, there's so many outside distractions, things that you're going through, things that you're struggling with, and it's just hard to keep God centered in your life and focused on worship. This invitation is for you. We invite you to come. This morning, if you're not a Christian and someone brought you here, or you're here and you're really thinking about your relationship with God, I would say this is an opportune time to put him first in your life. We have a baptistry ready. If there's anyone here that's in need of a new beginning and wants to give God the ultimate praise by giving their life up for him, this invitation is for you. Whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come together while we stand and sing the song of invitation? My